0: The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. So Isaiah 53
1: verses 3 through 9. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, may God bless the reading of His Word. You can have a seat.
0: So this morning, um, I want to start with something Rachel just said. Um, in the midst of pain and difficulties, um, it's been a it's been a heavy week. Not just in our country, but in the world. Um, this week, 17 people were killed in an elementary school. No, not an elementary school, a high school. This week, there was an earthquake in Mexico. This week, there are uh, vicious and violent dictators and um, militias. In multiple countries of this world... Slaughtering people because they're different or because they believe something different or because they're in the way. In the midst of pain and difficulties. I don't know about you guys, but um, every once in a while, uh, I struggle with the, the worship songs that we sing Because in my heart, I struggle to really mean the words that are on the screen, right? This morning, our our worship, um, its it was beautiful, right? There were great truths found in every song that we sang this morning. They are reminders that we need to hear, but a lot of times... They are not accurate reflections of where we are emotionally or spiritually. And I want to start this morning by acknowledging that for some of us that are here, we couldn't sing because that's not how we felt. We don't feel free. We don't feel... um. Like God is with us. We're questioning whether He is good. We're in the middle of the storms and we are flailing. We're drowning. We feel like we are overwhelmed and we're wondering where God is. Now, if that's you this morning, if you struggled with the words of this song, um, I want you to know that God understands. He understands. In fact, Jesus Jesus himself prayed a a really heavy prayer that I think um, you might identify with. Um, When Jesus was in Gethsemane, Uh, you know, he, he, it says he wrestled with God so heavily that he sweat blood. That's how intensely he was struggling with what God had called him to do and with the pain of his future. While he was up on the cross, Jesus, um, exclaimed, uh, Some words from Psalm 22, and I want to, I want to read those for you this morning. It's, uh, it's Psalm 22 verses 1 and 2. Here the psalmist is, um, is writing, um, and, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night. And I am not silent. For some of us this morning, that's how we feel. My God, my God, where are you? This world is suffering. My dad has cancer. Where are you, God? My friend's mom just died. Where are you, God? There's hatred and discord and pain and suffering all around us. I'm not going to pretend like I have the answer to that question for you this morning. Sometimes I don't understand. I don't know where God is sometimes. I know he's there, but I can't see it. I can't feel it. I can't understand it. And if you're feeling that way this morning, I want you to know you are stepping into the story of humanity. All throughout the scriptures, over and over again, story after story, In this book, books, there is example after example of suffering and pain and the struggle to understand why God. All throughout history, people have suffered. In the scriptures, Um, particularly in the Old Testament. This idea of exile, we talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, We're going to keep talking about it because it's a theme that um, carries really a great significance. This idea that this is where we're supposed to be, but instead we are exiled over here into something we're not supposed to be in. For the nation of Israel, that was the promised land. And time and time again, invading countries, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, at the time of Jesus, the Romans came in, Babylon, they destroyed Jerusalem, they pushed them out of the promised land, and God's chosen people were suffering in exile. Do you feel like you're in exile this morning? Sometimes I do. Because I don't believe this is how it's supposed to be. And I don't think God does either. When God created this world in Genesis, it says He looked down on His creation and said that it was good. In the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, God walked in fellowship with them. There was peace, not just among Adam and Eve, but there was peace between Adam and Eve and the animals. The earth was at peace. And I think that's how God intended for this world to stay. But unfortunately, it got messed up. (laughs) Some of that mistakes, some of the suffering we experience is because we as individuals have done something wrong. We've walked in disobedience. There's this idea throughout uh, the Old Testament, throughout the Jewish uh, and uh, scriptures, that my sin, my disobedience, has consequences. But there's also this idea that your sin and your disobedience has consequences. And there's also the idea that our collective sin and disobedience has consequences. And those consequences take the form oftentimes in the scriptures of suffering. But sometimes suffering happens to innocent people. It's present. It's around us. The world is broken. When when God is casting Adam and Eve out of the garden, he talks about how the earth was cursed. Paul in Romans talks about how all of creation is groaning. Sometimes our actions have immediate consequences on ourselves. Sometimes they have immediate consequences on others. Sometimes they have immediate consequences on all of us. Sometimes, Despite your innocence, my actions hurt you. So Israel is living in this understanding that suffering was not God's way, right? They are living in this belief that God had made promises to them. He had covenanted with them that he was going to make it right. And they are walking through the, the history through, through the story of the Old Testament and scriptures in hopeful expectation that deliverance would come. Just like Moses had walked them out of captivity in Egypt, God was going to send a Messiah to put things right. And that's where we find ourselves when we transition out of the Old Testament and into the New Testament in, in what we call the Bible. There's a group of believers in Jerusalem at this time longing for the Messiah to come that have read the prophecies in Jeremiah and in Daniel and in Isaiah and many, many other places. And they are hopefully waiting for God to fulfill his promises to his people that a deliverer would come. Now, what they got wrong was what that deliverer would look like. They were expecting a king like David. They were expecting someone that would come in, that would overthrow Rome, that would restore them to the power and the glory that Israel once had, because at one time, the nation of Israel was the most influential, the most wealthy, the most prosperous nation in the world. Yet here they were, sitting under an oppressive regime of Rome, once again, suffering. Now, unfortunately for us, in our modern culture, um, we view suffering much differently, and we struggle with this idea that our actions and our mistakes have consequences. We wrestle with, uh, specifically in 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 modern Western world, the idea of a, a Divine being be having anger. It's not something we want to talk about. It's not something we're comfortable with. In fact, in most cases, it's something we want to deny. We're okay with a loving God. We're okay with a generous God. But this idea that God can be angry and that our sin has consequences. I don't know if I want that, right? That's not what Israel was thinking at the time of Jesus. They understood that their disobedience sometimes caused suffering. In fact, so much so that they were actually expecting a season of great suffering before the Messiah came. There's historical evidence that what they taught at that time was that there would be a period of intense suffering, similar to what they were experiencing with Rome, and the Messiah would come when that period of suffering was over. So when we're reading the story in the New Testament, particularly in the Gospels, and we hear uh, them shout Hosanna, it's because they thought their Deliverer was there. And that's how they interpreted the suffering that they were going through. That's how they interpreted passages of Scripture where, um, in Isaiah, for example, it talks about this this prophecy of the one that will come that is going to deliver them, it's going to set them free. They understood that to mean King David. But as we know, because we have the benefit of hindsight, and we've heard Jesus' story, some of us, that's not the path Jesus took. Jesus actually was the one that suffered far more than we ever will. And that idea was revolutionary. It was It's not just countercultural now, it's countercultural then. The idea that the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Deliverer, would actually be the one to die, to sacrifice, to suffer on behalf of our sins as a nation. No one was teaching it. And it's why when the early church called Jesus Emmanuel. God with us, the Son of God. It's why when they used phrases like, God so loved the world that he gave his Son, Son of God loved me and gave himself up for me. Like, what? No, the Messiah is supposed to walk us into our promises. And so even they were stuck with this idea of like, God, what's going on here? They're scrambling because the Messiah, the chosen one, their deliverer, just died on a cross. Now we gotta start all over. Rome's still in power. God, what do we do? I can't handle this. I'm tired of the pain. I don't want to hurt anymore. I don't want my friends to hurt anymore. I don't want to fear. Israel believed that God had made a covenant with them, that he had made promises to them, and their hope and their livelihood, their way of living revolved around it. Family, I believe that God made that same promise to us. That Jesus was the answer. And that what he did, why he had to die, was because our actions do have consequences. And when we walk in disobedience, when we walk outside of God's will for our lives, for this world, sometimes a payment needs to be made. Or there are consequences that result from our actions. Now sometimes those are immediate, right? I take something from somebody, they're suffering a loss because it's gone. That's an immediate cause-effect consequence. But sometimes it doesn't seem so obvious. Because the truth is, a lot of the consequences of our sin are actually really tiny. They separate us from God. They interrupt our ability to hear His voice and to understand His will. They cause us to deviate from His perfect plan. And while they might not have an immediate point of suffering, it's like dominoes. This decision affects that decision which affects that decision, which affects that decision, and on and on it goes. And then, not only does it impact us, it impacts others. Because we're connected. Especially if we claim the name of Jesus. If we call ourselves a Christian. But the truth is, it extends far more than just Christians that are affected by Christian activity. This whole world, every person on it, are connected because God intended for us to live in community. Connected to Him, connected to each other, in unity. And it's broken. And Jesus came to this earth to fix it. We're in exile, just like Israel was. It's not fixed yet. I don't know why. I want it to be fixed. I believe God has the power to fix it, and I believe that I have a responsibility to do my part. I believe that we have a responsibility to do our part as a family, and that's what we're striving to do as a church to come here each week to learn to, to process the Scriptures, to read passages like Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, to examine what they mean, to allow them to shape and form and mold us and encourage us, sometimes discourage us, because we recognize how far off we are. But the point of it is so that we can grow and mature into what God intended for us to be. Little Jesuses is what it means to be Christian. Little representatives. Little deliverers. Walking this earth, living in the hope that God has promised us. He loves us. God loves us. God loves us. We don't always live in that promise. We don't always trust it. We don't always understand it. But there should be no doubt in our minds. We should be able to sing songs like we sang this morning and mean them. Because there's great truth there. Sometimes we can't. Sometimes... I'm struggling, and I need you to lift me up. Sometimes you're struggling, and you need me to remind you of a truth like those songs. It's why we sing. It's why we gather together. It's why we do things like communion and why we pray and why we discipline ourselves. Because the realities of this world are constantly trying to cause us to forget, to deny the truth that God has covenanted with us, that he will deliver us from this exile. By the evening of the first Good Friday, when Jesus died on the cross, <laughs> sins, including ours today, have been dealt with once and for all. No longer was there a need for sacrifice at an altar for the, shed, the bloodshed of animals as a uh, stopgap measure. Right? Right? No longer was there this misconception of an angry God thrusting lightning bolts at us because we were bad little children or punishing us because he was disappointed. No longer did we have to manipulate him through rituals, through acts of service, in order to get him to do the things that he wants. No, God came to this earth in the form of Jesus, and he resolved it himself. That was revolutionary, family. In fact, it still is. There's not really another religion on this world that the God himself solves the problem. Most of the time there's an expectation that we have to do something. You have to walk in this way. You have to make this sacrifice. The idea of sin exists in a lot of places, but Jesus is unique in that he claimed to be the Son of God he came to this earth and he solved the problem for us. As we continue to press on towards Easter, as we continue to ask this question of why did Jesus have to die, our hope as, as a leadership team, as, as teachers, as, as, as a church family is that we continue to grow in our understanding of just how important that actually was. God himself solved the problem, our problem. He fixed our mistakes. He paid our price. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't make mistakes. We did. But he loves us so much, he fixed it. That's what we're we that's the hope. Family, that's why we can sing in the midst of suffering. It's what's special about Christianity. It's why it's good news. Because our God has set us free. Not just the nation of Israel. Not just the best people. Even the worst of us. He came. He died. He said it right. God himself acted because of his unchanging and unshakable love for his people. This truth was found in his covenant with Abraham. It's found in the stories in Deuteronomy and in the Psalms and in Isaiah and in Jeremiah and in Daniel. It was always present. Even before Jesus, God himself acted because of his unchanging, unshakable love for his people. So this morning, I hope, I hope that despite the suffering in this world, despite the pain you may be feeling, despite the difficulty that it is to live in the truths of the songs that we sing or to trust that God is with us when it hurts, I hope that you can cling to it. I hope that you have the wisdom to run to someone that is when you've lost your grip. Because the promises God made to the nation of Israel weren't just for the nation of Israel. They included all of us here in this room today. They included all of the people in the city that we love. They included all of the people in our country and in the world Because God loves His creation. He said it was good. I'm sorry that you're suffering. I'm thankful for those of you that have experienced God's promises and that are living full of hope. We need each other, because we're all going to be at different points at different times. One day, things might be rosy, and the next day, they might be dark. Sometimes it changes as quick as the clouds rolling in front of the sun. In an instant, things go from good to painful. The whole earth, all of creation is groaning because it's not right yet. But our God is at work. He's at work in us individually. He's at work in us collectively. He's at work in this world. And as we continue to press forward towards Easter, I hope that you will let that truth penetrate your heart, that you'll sit with it, that you'll wrestle with it, that you'll ask yourself, do I really believe this? If I do, am I trusting it? Because we need to. Because we're going to be tested. Because I'm going to hurt you and you're going to hurt me and we're going to hurt them and they're going to hurt us because we're broken. And far too often we operate outside of God's truth, outside of his purpose, outside of his plan. But praise God, he has promised us something better. He promised the nation of Israel. Jesus repeated those promises when he was here. He expanded those promises to the Gentiles, us. He sent us the gift of the Holy Spirit as a seal ensuring that he would be back, ensuring that one day this too will be made right. So this morning, wherever you find yourself on the spectrum of suffering, wherever you find yourself as you're wrestling and struggling with whether God is real and whether He loves me and whether He is active in this world, I hope, I pray, that you'll take the time, you'll take the moment to sit and seek the Lord. I can't promise you that when you ask God to reveal Himself to you that it's going to come in a form that you recognize because just like we're selfish and broken, we don't understand the ways of the Lord. And so sometimes He's acting all around us and we fail to see it and we fail to understand it. But family, that does not mean it's not happening So in those moments, when you're scrambling and you've begged God to answer and you're not finding that answer, find someone else to walk through that suffering with you. Find someone else to help you see from a different perspective because sometimes it's that simple. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that you can rest in the promises of God's unconditional love. That it's not going to change, that it is outside of our circumstances. Just because we're suffering does not mean God love doesn't love us. Just because everything is going wrong does not mean that God is not right there with us. All that it means, this earth is broken. That's all it means.